Good evening, Court is in session. Welcome to Colton Court. I'm your host, Gerald Colton, with my co-host, six-time first-team pro bowler, four-time first-team all-pro, one-time second-team, 11 years for the New Orleans Saints, one for the Green Bay Packers, Jari Evans. Hey, Ja. What's going on, man? And we have another host with us today, the young, <laughs> handsome, Atlas Evans. Hey, Atlas. Say Hi. Atlas doesn't have a lot to say, but he is only one years old. And he's a little in shock here with us as we are the beautiful Somo Sophie at 13th and Packer Avenue in South Philadelphia on a gorgeous Tuesday evening with the Phillies playing in about an hour and a half. And we are coming to you live on Wildfire Radio. And you can come join us in our restaurant. It's Taco Tuesday. We've got a crowd here. Happy hour. And come join us. Uh, Beautiful day out today, man. Just gorgeous and a great day for baseball and a whole lot of other stuff. And Jai, as always, there's a lot, lot going on in the world of sports. Everything converges this time of year. We've got the NBA and NHL finals finishing this year. We're in full swing baseball. We've got mandatory minicamp going on across the street for yep. the Eagles. And just um, a great time of year in the world of sports. But Jai, uh, last week I was cranky. Gerald, <laughs> this week I think I'm sad, Gerald. <laughs> it okay. was, um, last night was game five of the NBA Finals and the Golden yep. State Warriors facing elimination playing in Toronto with Toronto and the whole nation of Canada seeking to win its first NBA championship. And KD, Kevin Durant, the MVP final of the finals the last two years, made a return after missing about a month of basketball and nine games and has been suffering from this torn calf and a lot of speculation as to whether or not he should play. And he made a valiant, brave return, looked good, shot the ball well, wasn't moving completely like his normal self. It's hard to be in basketball shape after all that time, but certainly made his presence felt with 11 points and a little over the first quarter. And then it happened in uh, just a sad, sad moment in sports where knowing sports the way I do, knowing injuries, I knew the second it happened that he had blown out his Achilles and that his season was over. He'd be out a year facing free agency. The series was likely over and it was just the air went out of it except the Toronto fans cheered, but other than that, it was just a sad, sad moment. Which, and their cheering was sad too. But Jai, you as an athlete, you would knowing what it's like to overcome injury, what it's like to fight back, what it's like to try to be valiant and come save the day for your team. What would that make you feel like? Yeah, it, it sucked, man. You know, I, he saw his guys down three-one facing, you know, losing in the finals, and he wanted to be out there to help his team. And he, he was uh, off to a good start, trying to play injured. And it comes back to when we were talking a couple of weeks ago. People were really surprised how many guys actually play less than 100%. But you know your less than 100% is better than the guy that's replacing you 100%. So you try to give it a go, and it, it just sucked that you see what happens when, you're, when your body is just had enough, you know, and, and, and it happens to athletes, especially as they get older. But, um, but yeah, it's a shame. He's such a good player, especially – Entering his free agency, I don't think it's going to hurt him too much. I still think teams will pick him off the, you know, take him off the board as a free agent. But it just sucks he has a long road to recovery. He'll make his money job. He's going to miss a full season of basketball in all yeah. likelihood. And John, there's so many angles to look at this. I want your take as an athlete. Have you? And I know you did because I represented you, and we'd had these conversations. But did you go on the field less than 100 percent, thinking in the back of your head maybe you shouldn't be out there? A few times, and. Um, and there's a, a few times where I just had to really talk myself into shutting it down. I mean, in 12 years, I missed nine games, and I don't think I missed a game until my sixth or seventh year. So 
a couple of years I played all the games, regular season and playoffs. I talked about this. Hurt. You would call me Monday after your game on Sunday, say, <laughs> yeah. "Hey, I think I'm going to be out this week." And come Sunday, you'd be on the field, and you were you were you were a gamer. You would do whatever it takes to get out there. Right. And one season, I played 13 games on a torn ligament in my wrist and had to get surgery immediately after the season. So. I actually played the whole season, almost 13 games with that torn ligament and had to adjust the way I played. And, you know, it kind of had to retrain myself after I got the surgery to go back to the way I used to play. You know, John, those are one of the things There's a difference between football and basketball. I mean, Kevin Durant is who he is, and no one's going to judge him off of off of this. And uh, Taylor's nodding, our, our, our wonderful producer is nodding in agreement with you that it's not going to hurt him in free agency. We'll touch on that in a second. But in football... When you're out there at less than 100%, they're judging you on the film, and no one knows you're less than 100%. Right. I know that wasn't necessarily your best year when you're playing on that risk. You did everything you could, and you were still one of the best. But you know yourself that you weren't quite what you usually were, yet no one knows you're hurting. Yeah, no, you're right. Like I said, I had to adjust my game and how I you know, put my hand placement and stop guys. and It still wound up being a Pro Bowl season for me, but... At the end of the at the end of the uh, at the end of the year, you might have shown film um, plays that you weren't good at that you lost against certain guys because of the injuries. So, if you know they don't really get that information till later, and some, it's never really disclosed when it happened. You know your ball club knows, but it can hurt you, especially when you know because we're so reserved on injuries. So, yep. So, John, looking at Durant's situation, so he sits out this time. No yep. one would fault him if he didn't come back, but he, he tries valiantly to do so, and obviously now it's going to cost him a season for doing so because clearly, from a physical standpoint, the weakness from the injury to the calf affected him overall. Whatever, whether he was favoring or not, you don't you don't have a snapped Achilles just out of nowhere like that. And you know, it reminded me a few years back, I think it was the 2017 season, Jordan Hicks, a linebacker for the Eagles, then he's now with the Cardinals, had a calf injury, came back and suffered an Achilles. It's you know, it's it, it's a common thing. So, from a medical standpoint. Do you think the doctors zell him a little more precaution than what they did, or or do you, do you think, hey, listen, you got to do everything you can, championship on the line? Well, I mean, it's really up to the player. It's not the doctor is not going to sit here and say you have to play. But as a player, you're always going to want to be out there. You're going to want to play. It's just that you need to have the right information in front of you that's determining, you know, am I going to injure? Am I going to injure myself going forward if I try to play? Is it, you know what I mean, or is this injured? Is this injury already maxed out? So you, it, does that make sense? Yeah, it like, does. It, but those strains are so hard to tell. They are. They are sometimes. It's but not it, a broken bone healing. Yeah, yeah. No, they are. When you have those those muscle strains, you know, because everything's attached to everything, so it is hard to tell. But um, until but you can't pops, and then it's until, not attached it to it. I mean, it's, a, it's yeah. literally that rubber band that snaps. It is, and it's one of those areas that. Is uh, it's a lot of stress on it, depending on what type type of moves you do, what kind of player you are. You know what I'm saying? So, it, it really it really does depend on the guy and and his willingness to, you know, to go out there and maybe adjust himself. But I think that his body just, you know, it just it was it was tired, especially in that area. So you saw the post game, and Bob Myers, the general manager of Golden State, and, and Golden State has run a tremendous organization for these last, you know, more than half a decade now, and. Myers was all choked up in the post game. Um, I didn't buy it live. In watching it today, maybe it was genuine. I, I believed what he said, but it's two hours after the injury. 
the Warriors come back have an extremely emotional victory. And right. I don't know if you saw him up on the podium, but he was he was sniffling and crying. And uh, <laughs> while he's still the, the general manager of the Golden State Warriors, yeah. and I'm not trying to make light of it because the fact is it, it was sad. They care about Kevin Durant. The guy gave him everything he had, and then he suffers this injury that they know is really so damaging in missing that whole next year and feeling badly for a guy who's given it his all and trying to do everything for the team. And one of the ironies, of course, in sports is that you actually don't really get paid very much for the playoffs. Duran is a $40 million plus a year player now. And for the playoffs, at the end, they split up a, a pool that will pay the champion a few hundred thousand total for all these playoff games so he wasn't doing it for the money that's for sure <laughs> no when it comes down to the playoffs is the, the the championship the ring the the winning it outweighs the the revenue well, for you sure can't put a price in that right no is, you can't is there anything so, you would you would trade your super bowl ring and experience for uh, I mean, there's a, there's a few things. <laughs> I right, put a value. Go ahead. <laughs> but, you know, you're playing for it to be a champion and be the best in the world. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, emotionally, I think that they just know the reason why he went out there to do it was to get that ring and to help his teammates. And it happened, you know, that he's now not going to experience that. And if they win and also not even have the opportunity to really – experiences free agency like the way he you know well, wanted we'll to see. we will see because now he goes into free agency he does have a player option that was presumed of course he was not going to exercise that's 31 and a half million he has till june 29th to exercise he could exercise that stay with golden state warriors right now and be a free agent again the following year so he sort of sits out this year right and gets paid for it. he could do that and or the warriors could lock him up because and look i felt the tears by the general manager was maybe a way of saying, we love you, we want you back, we don't want to lose you, and, and kind of ingratiate himself. And he was up there making this speech as to Durant's misunderstood. And, and then he made this strange comment, Kevin does love playing basketball. I know he's been criticized a little bit, but of course he loves playing basketball. Right. I love playing basketball. <laughs> he loves winning too. I mean, shoot, he's been so, winning the last three seasons. But now let's look at some other aspects of last night's game and how it, really affects things going forward the Warriors late in the game looked dead and, and truly as I'm watching the game when, when Durant goes down I'm like well this is over Durant's season is over maybe yeah. his career with the Warriors is it over a lot of energy. and the season and, and the championship series is over but lo and behold the Warriors dug deep and, and showed the the champions that they're made of and Steph Curry and uh, of course, Clay Thompson, and then the other supporting cast of Draymond Green and Iguodala, and they all did their part. And then Cousins comes off the bench. It wasn't didn't even look like he was going to be in the rotation last night. He comes off the bench and probably had his best game, biggest contribution of the series. And they really gutted out an improbable victory, one in which they trailed by six points with two and a half minutes to go. Um, and a bunch of things happened down the stretch. But now they have an incredibly emotional victory while suffering suffering a devastating loss of a teammate, they looked all so emotionally drained. Now they've got to fly cross-country. Fortunately, they've got three, three days in between. Do you think they can come back and pull this one out tomorrow night or, or Thursday night in, in Oakland and send it back to Toronto for Game 7? Yeah, I think it goes to Game 7. Um, I think they, uh, you know, obviously they know – Clay can't do it by himself, especially when he had 47 points and they still lost. And where, where um, I mean, not Clay, Steph can't. Steph, yeah, when they when well, they, they, when they had they Clay and and uh, when they had Clay and uh, KD out, so 
But, you know, with Steph back, I think that they could, you know, rally at home and, and, and uh, bring all that emotion to round and get a W and force a game seven. Well, they'll be playing the last game ever at their arena. Oracle Arena is closing at the end of this year, so they know this is for sure the last game that will ever be played there. And then you, you look at it from the Toronto standpoint, that's a really awful loss. Okay, they've got the game at home. Right. The crowd's going there for a celebration. KD comes back, so you don't know where you're going to get, and then KD goes down. Now, they really embarrassed themselves. And, and, and you know, all these things we talked about. Like, well, I don't think they embarrassed themselves. Now, hold on. The fans of Toronto. Oh, the fans. And I'm not saying okay, the entire crowd, but there were enough cheers when Durant went down that the Toronto players were like waving to waving them down to stop cheering right. that uh, Drake was even waving them down Drake who hasn't right. exactly handled himself so great so it was a really interesting terrible moment and for myself who has a little bit of bias against seeing the NBA championship go north of the border to Canada in the first place you know, it, it seems a little undeserving right now it was just not a glorious moment for Toronto I mean, yeah, you, you never, as, as players, we never chair injury and we never want to see our, our fans uh, act that way because we know how much, you know, hard work we put into getting to be a professional athlete and how quickly it can be taken away. But, um, but you can you never know, cheer injury under any yeah, circumstances, it's just, no how much you want to win. But, you, you know, when, when those fans are... They don't know what it feels like to I be a professional athlete, so they're so it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit, you know, and and they're they want their team to win, so we understand it. But I don't think that, you know, Toronto, uh, like you said, it is um, obviously they missed the opportunity by not winning because they could have won a championship. But you got to look at look at it like this, like. The Warriors is a championship team and have been for the last four years. They're not just going to bow down. It's not over. You know, it's over for I sure. think they're, they're probably the only team that can come back from 3-0. They actually did it against Oklahoma City, I think, a couple years yeah, ago. So They're so shorthanded. It's well, they're not really shorthanded. They just are shorthanded a great player in KD, but they still That's got... shorthanded. It is shorthanded, but <laughs> okay. but I'm just saying, they, they still have that nucleus that won them the first... They got them to the first two championships, So and they still got great shooters, and they got great defensive players, so it's, it's not as shorthanded as as it may look. Well, it shows how great they are. They can, they can still compete after losing a KD. Yes. Not too many te- teams could survive something like that. Not any other team could survive losing and, a superstar of that caliber and still winning. If but, Toronto loses Kawhi, they're done. And it did, you know, as a Philadelphian, I thought, we, we've been criticized a lot over the years for the way the fans are, how tough they are. And I, I personally thought our really most inglorious moment was when the fans of Veterans Stadium cheer when Michael Irvin went down uh, for the Dallas Cowboys in the late 90s against the Eagles. Um, and you had prayers going on and Deion Sanders was dancing around him doing a prayer ritual and the fans were cheering what wound up being a career-ending injury for Michael Irvin and his neck I thought that was our worst moment I, I there's just nothing worse than cheering even though in this instance I really think the reaction was because they're like okay now we've won the championship right. more than cheering for KD exactly they hurt. didn't think that it was going to be a seat well you know, it's only a couple more games left in the season, but they, I'm pretty sure they didn't think that it was going to be like, oh, he's not going to play next season because he's hurt right now. No, I don't think that any of them could actually, you know, think that way or thought that that was the issue. Yeah, they tell just them to go watch hockey up there anyway. <laughs> they, just, they just looked at it like, oh, their best player went down. Yeah. Now look at our odds to win the championship goes up even I, I greater. Think you're right. And that's I, how I, fans look at it when they see guys go down. I don't think now, it's vicious, but yeah. but you're right. In, in you as an athlete, did you feel? that fans didn't necessarily consider you as human beings and thought of you more like 
I don't know whether it's just performer or something, but where they really didn't necessarily have a full appreciation. <laughs> so you guys are regular beads. people as we sit here and you're feeding your one-year-old son. <laughs> Human beings. <laughs> well, I wonder sometimes. I mean, because that was a really awful moment to cheer as a guy got hurt. <laughs> I mean, listen, historically we cheer gladiators in the arena, you know, with swords and, and things of that nature. So, I mean, we are gladiators in a different arena in a different sense, but... You know, it it just it is what it is. I mean, <laughs> I think fans just they 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 want they have so much invested in emotionally and sometimes financially in their teams and and things of that nature. They just want to see them come up on top because when when they win, when we win as players, they feel like you know they feel oh, like yeah. they win they as also. Better. There's and, no question, and they're a big part of our success as as athletes. Look, it does but yes, I do think they think we're human. They do. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, yeah, and I've heard some fans consider some players as gods too. But I'm I'm just saying, yeah. Anyway, uh, there'll be game. Six now out in Oakland. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I, I, you've, you've given your prediction. You think the Warriors will win it. To me, it was an incredibly difficult loss for Toronto. And for them to have to now suck it up and go back and play, the, the key for them will be focused. Because the Warriors have to be drained to some extent. Yeah. And they'll be focusing it back to what got them this far in the first place. But it, it, it kind of, I mean, they're really fortunate. It, it really was the kind of loss to me. Like the Falcons suffered in the Super Bowl being up 28-3 to and losing it. But they're... They don't have any opportunity to come back and win. I mean, right. team on the threshold of its first Super Bowl, first championship, let right. it get away. Here, Toronto, the, the win within grasp of them, within within obvious view, and yet they let it slip away. And some questionable moves down the stretch, and, and, and a whole bunch of other stuff that contributed, including an awful last play. Yeah. But they, they at least for their to, to their betterment have a chance to two chances still to win game six on Thursday, and then if they lose that, they get the game seven back in Toronto Monday night so my, my thought is they probably managed to win one of the two games but the whole time I have not seen the, the, the Warriors let it get away they showed the champion they were as you said digging deep last night whatever happens I, listen I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors won I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto won I, I think one of them will win <laughs> I'm going out on a limb anyway, anyway, a bold prediction, bold prediction anyway last night was a draining emotional night as a sports fan and I woke up feeling kind of drained and I don't have a vested interest in this thing <laughs> yeah I mean you're right I mean um all signs yesterday kind of pointed to Toronto being up 3-1 and at home able to finish it out then KD goes down in the second quarter but you know that this is this is the this is how series playoffs and championship things go. You know what I'm saying? It's different in our league because it's it's one and done. You know, it's win or, win and go home. You know what I mean? So, you know, when you have that series, I think sometimes they actually think about that. You know, hey, we got three chances to get one game. It, it's so different than your sport in football, of course. It, it is everything's sudden and you prepare 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 and then it's over like that yeah. in, in, in basketball it's more of a marathon much more and uh, these playoffs are basically two months so in each series is two weeks at least and this one they stretch out so you know Toronto's got to regroup they've got that superstar in Kawhi and, and let's talk about him for a minute because if Toronto wins the championship it's obvious that Kawhi will be the MVP which will be his second MVP of the finals and the playoffs uh, he did it with 
San Antonio back in 2014. And he'll be just the third guy to ever win it for two different teams. LeBron and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did it previously. And we don't know. He'll be the third guy to win a championship with two different teams? To win the MVP, oh, the MVP. of the finals. Gotcha. While MVP of the finals, with, with yeah. two different teams. Gotcha. And, of course, you know, you're talking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and LeBron James, two of the best of all time. Kawhi Leonard, people have been asking me, boy, is he, is he the greatest of all time? And I don't think he's in that category yet or necessarily super close. No, he's but, not the greatest of all but, time, no. But taking Toronto to the championship this year, if he indeed does, yes. does elevate him to that stratosphere of some of the great superstars of all time as well as Ja I have found mystifying what happened with him in San Antonio San Antonio has run such a good successful team oriented organization now for 20 years won a championship back in 1999 won their fifth of the generation in 2014 and have maintained a top level and guys taking less money to play there they're, they're sort of the New England Patriots of the NBA and yet Kawhi Leonard won it out of there yeah. And, and and you never really understood why because he is an, an enigma who doesn't say a whole lot. By the same token, he felt, apparently, that they were rushing him back from injury and not appreciating the severity of the injury. And now you see what happens to Kevin Durant and maybe you're like, <laughs> wow, this is really why Kawhi was doing that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that that's what came out of there, that he didn't like the way the doctors were ha- handling his rehab and how aggressive they were pushing him to get back. And it does happen. You do have aggressive... Uh, doctors out there or or um, or athletic trainers who are being pressured by the head coach to get your to get your best players out on the out on the court or out on the field and as a player you're just like listen I gotta listen to my body and, and do what my body is telling me to do so it is ironic that that uh, that's the situation that he was in last year and you see a great player like KD hurt himself you know coming back too early trying to get his team you know being the best player on the team, try to get him a W. Well, the ratings were way up for Game 5 last night. I'm sure they'll be even higher probably for Game 6 as, as the interest continues to build as the series uh, reaches Well, one thing we know is the last game in the Oracle for sure. For so sure, For sure. And, uh, and they're rabid fans out there. Yeah. You know, uh, they'll, they'll be screaming as, as the team finishes in Oakland and moves to San Francisco next year. John, we are live at your restaurant in South Philadelphia, but we're heard on Wildfire Radio. And um, I want to give a shout-out to some friends of mine over in Manchester, England, who um, who listen to us for the first time. Oh, yeah. And Karen Terry recently married, newlyweds, got nice. married in Miami, then did a little honeymoon out in Greece, and now they're back home in Manchester. Nice. And um, we are reached, we're reaching people worldwide. Hey, guys, hope you had a great honeymoon. Um, ja, as we, as I mentioned, you know, I'm not cranky, Gerald, today. Today I'm sad, Gerald. And another story that has me sad, but hopefully optimistic as well is the very bizarre shooting of David Ortiz Big Poppy one of the real beloved figures in sports and in baseball the Boston superstar for years recently retired in his native land of the Dominican Republic where he really is a god and you have to appreciate a guy who comes from that that place and, and you know it's a developing nation not not a rich place by any means and gives so much back there. He's built fields there. He goes, still makes his home there and is really beloved and, and, and is very proud of where he is. And he's sitting around at a bar the other night. He's on a bar stool and somebody approaches him from the rear and shoots him, just shoots him in the back. And yeah. it wasn't, the reports are it could have been really a hit ordered by somebody based on a relationship he could have had with someone or a drug lord. I mean, all the, all the things that can go on really anywhere, but especially in a place like the Dominican Republic. And very, very fortunate for him. It seems like they have saved his life with some some surgeries. His liver got nicked. 
had some colon removed. He, the Red Sox, based upon what a great person he is in their organization, very generously flew down a medical plane, flew him up to Boston where he had another surgery to make sure that everything was done well, and apparently it has. And the early reports are that he's stable, and although still in intensive care, and hopefully will make a full recovery. But right. a really scary, awful situation. Um, and you, again, this is this is an athlete. Athletes are human beings, of course. Gunshots will, will injure. But no one realizes necessarily that the things that affect you guys just like everybody else. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a very unfortunate incident that happened, and uh, glad to hear that he's okay. And, and but well, we'll see. I mean, this is it's going to take some time. It's early, and yeah. there's infection risks. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not a doctor, of course. I went to right. law school, not med school. Little difference, but, but he's getting the, he's getting the best treatment. There's that, no question, and, and just the fact that he was able to be flown, yeah, says a lot. Right, exactly. So, but you know, there, and that's why. It, it, listen, man, these other countries are dangerous, man, and you got to be careful what you say, what you do, and how do, how do you come off come off to people in, in certain ways. And you're uh, the world traveler, just back from Colombia. Yeah, man, and, and you just got to be careful. So, I mean, I don't know what happened in the situation. That was at hand, but it's good to hear that he, he's okay and on the road back to you know recovering. But but the video is out there and anybody can see it. Yeah, it's I didn't see a, the video. It's just a chilling, terrifying thing as a guy just approaches him from the rear, um, you know, from about five feet away, just fires a gun into his back. Now, right. if this was a hit and ordered hit, I got to tell you, he's really lucky they hired an awful hitman. I mean, this guy, this well, because if the guy the the guy blew it if he, if that's what he was supposed to do or maybe he was just supposed to try to hurt him I don't know but he yeah. could have done a whole lot of other things to make sure that to end his life and thankfully he didn't well yeah yeah you're right well I mean this is not this is not the first incident that we hear of some of these major league baseball guys going back to their hometown sure. and, and and getting attacked or getting you know getting robbed or, or whatever because of what they're driving what they have on and this things of that nature. This did not look like a robber. No, I understand what you're saying, but I'm just saying this just the danger of, of you know these these other countries like they are very dangerous and um, and I, I know you know we have our our dangers here in America and things like that, but. When you really step outside of some of these other nations, you really realize how great we have it here in this country. It'll say, you know, hopefully a speedy recovery. It'll be interesting to see if he returns to his native land after this. If he does make, yeah, that's recovery. that's going to be that's going to be really, you know, like something that's going to hit him hard. You know what I'm saying? Because he, he he's a guy that that actually goes back a lot. Yep, um, Jai, you as an athlete, and you know, having been successful, being very public, very visible. Did you have fear ever of people following you or, or knowing where you lived or things like that? Of course. I mean, <laughs> of course. Uh, you, you know, you just got to be careful and, and make sure that, you know, you're just paying attention, being conscious, and you got a good team around you. And, you know, every time you see me, I'm definitely with family or friends and, and, and very cautious. But people do prey on individuals, not just athletes, but people do prey on people. And, and there's a lot of evil people in this world that does evil things. That's a shame. I mean, if you watch that video, you certainly see an evil person approaching yeah. a really beloved figure. One of the things that he was quoted as saying to the paramedics or the doctors that, please don't let me die. I'm a good man. And um, I, I think a lot of people would share that sentiment about David Ortiz. Anybody who ever knew who knew him always spoke really highly of him. Right. A really special, special guy. And you could see what his teammates felt about him, what the city of Boston felt about him. And, um, and hopefully there's a, there's a long way to go. Yeah, that was that was that was great what the team did for him. You know what I'm saying to get him back and 
get get the best medical attention he can receive. So Would the Saints uh, have done that for you? I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope so. I hope we never have to find out. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> That's for sure. And then all our all our prayers with everyone else along uh, for David Ortiz's speedy full recovery. Josh, football mandatory minicamp here in Philadelphia, right across the street at the Novacare Complex from where we are. And it's the culmination of the spring activities, and most of them are voluntary. This one's mandatory. And we talked um, during this offseason about your former teammate in New Orleans, who's now a, a real star for the Philadelphia Eagles and yeah. a real important part of that, and Malcolm <clears throat> Jenkins. Malcolm did not participate all during spring, but he did show up for the mandatory camp, right. um, which was not sure he was going to until now leads me to believe because Malcolm hasn't come out publicly about it but there's been some media reports and things and maybe it was leaked that he has not been happy with his contract he's scheduled to make about 8.1 million this year he renegotiated his contract in 2016 after originally signing with the Eagles in 2014 um, and they've made a few adjustments along the way but basically he's been playing on the same contract for the last three years now and he's still got three that, this contract runs to 2022 yeah. this is Malcolm Jenkins last contract unless they do something to adjust it right now and Malcolm looking around the league and where he is in, in the pecking order of safeties he's somewhere around 8th to 10th it's, it's hard to exactly measure but but he's, he's in the upper echelon, but not at the top. And Malcolm knows that his, his days are dwindling. Um, and it seems to me, in all likelihood, knowing how both the Eagles operate and, and his agent, Ben Dogger, and Malcolm, I believe they probably come to an agreement that they're going to do something about this. And they haven't finished it up, but Malcolm decided to report. You as the Eagles, and Howie Roseman, who, who really does a great job managing the cap, have to be careful to not be held hostage by a player. They don't want to set a precedent, but that they're going to reward Malcolm if he doesn't show up. So right. they probably said something to him, listen, we'll adjust this, we'll get something done, and are probably in discussions, is my opinion. And from Malcolm's standpoint, he did the good faith gesture showing up as well. Yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, they always look at it like, oh, we don't want to reward the player because we don't want other players taking this route. But it depends on the caliber of the player. Like, if, if, you, if you're a great player that's meaningful for the team and, and, and you're the person that's, that's you know doing doing a lot for the guys to get a W. Then, you know these are the stances that that work in your favor because you have you have some of the leverage. Um, now it being a, a three year, he has three more years left on his contract. I think they may extend it to a five year deal or something like that. And, see, I don't and both, see it, they might. It, and they both might sides come into agreement, you know, with something. And um, but you know, it, you know, likely Malcolm doesn't play another five years. Uh, why not? I mean, listen, he can. I, I mean, lo I love your player's attitude. Of course, he the can. why not is because of the prejudice of the. National Football League of guys who get over thirty. And yeah, but that prejudice is that prejudice is dwindling away. I mean, the game is not as physical as it used to be. There's not you don't even the training camp is is one practice. You don't even practice. I would two. love to. You do don't it. you don't hit as much before the season. I mean, that is that's a. That's something that the owners are trying to push to get younger guys and, and that are worth less. But it, we we can't continue to let that be pushed. That's just that's, that's really I, a lie. Nothing would make me happier than seeing. Yeah, I mean, continue the, at a Pro Bowl level for the next five years. But, but the, I would be willing people, to make you a bet now that doesn't happen. Yeah, but no, if you not look, because of Malcolm. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, but if you look at if you look at statistically, guys are playing longer. Guys are playing longer now, and. I think that you can play longer, especially if you take care of your body, you do necessary things that, that you know, that you need to do. So, I mean, 
I just listen. Matt you know, he's a pro. You know, he's yeah, he's, ready. He's listen, he was going to show up to mandatory stuff. I said it earlier. He's not that type of dude. Like he, like he said in his press conference, he's never missed anything in ten years. And in year ten, he decided, hey, I'm not going to go to something that's not mandatory. That's why it's called voluntary and mandatory. Like. <laughs> So and and he showed up to the mandatory, but you know it, it gives the media something to talk about, gives us something to discuss, and uh, but I don't think it's you know it's an issue. Um, still going to be the same person when he shows up to work and and ride for his team. Well, on the other note of of Eagles news, they did extend their franchise quarterback that they've built this team around. Carson Wentz for four years and they got it no brainer brainer. we've talked about it I mean there there was no question they were all in on Carson Wentz that they've been all in for a while we've got Atlas creating quite a stir here he's up and he's waking up (laughs) Shari's wonderful one-year-old son here and he's taking in the scenery but um, we've got we've got offers from our studio audience here willing to grab him as well (laughs) (laughs) to assist you as we continue but Carson Wentz um last week reached an agreement with the Eagles to extend his contract for four years so he's got the two years remaining on his rookie deal and now four years after that and the four years were done at an average of 32 million a year as the reports I I tried to see if the NFL Players Association had had it up yet as to what the actual contract is because I can tell you historically, media reports of contracts and actual contracts don't always match. Right. So I always want to see those real numbers, whether the agent was yeah, trying to Yeah, you got the inside scoop. But, but, <laughs> I, but unfortunately, this time I don't. But I, I got to believe that the reports are probably pretty close to accurate, that it's a $32 million on average contract. And, you know, I look at these differently. <laughs> as, as does Alice. Thanks for the participation, bud. But... The thirty-two million a year is three million a year less than Russell Wilson's extension. Yeah, um, and listen, we're talking big numbers, and right. and we're putting Wentz now in the top five category of quarterbacks. But from my standpoint, it's a little light, even though the guarantee was reported at one seventeen. I think the actual guarantee is going to come in less, and there's going to be some kickers as to he has to stay healthy for the next three years for some of those to kick in. So I don't even think the, the report on the guarantee is accurate and I'll, I'll know for sure when I finally see this posted on the site in a few days but, but the bottom line is that Carson Wentz signed a nice extension for Carson Wentz. Yeah. I also think from the Eagles standpoint it was a great deal from the Eagles standpoint they are able to extend him four more years so they have him for six years committed yep. but they're able to put some of that prorate some of the bonus money of the new, on the new years onto the current year and next year so they get credit early and cap relief early and able to really set themselves up to add stuff as they go on and to keep free agent or keep their own guys add free agents really great management by the Eagles and you've got a happy quarterback yeah I mean I think they've been doing some good jobs with the numbers over the last couple years but Carson is your franchise QB Um, and to lock him to lock him in on that long term contract is, is what franchise QBs you know get and that's how ball clubs lock him in because you're not going to win a championship without a top quarterback in this league. You're just not. In the look, in, in negotiation and working as an agent, it all comes down to any any deal comes down to leverage. Who has the leverage? Carson Wentz really had a lot of leverage here. Insofar as the Eagles were all in, they moved up in the draft to get him a few years back. Now going into year four to, to draft him number two. They had Nick Foles win a Super Bowl for them in his absence and his injury and got rid of Nick Foles. I mean, it is this is Carson Wentz's team. Yeah. If you want to have some leverage and you knew you could do stuff, Carson Wentz has it. They're not letting him go. By the same token, it's good faith on both sides. They did have him for two more years. There's franchise years potentially for the next two after that, although we're going to have a new CBA, and I don't know what the yep. status of franchise 
play, franchise tagging players will be. But look, it's a good deal all the way around. I got to say, the Eagles won, though, and the Eagles continue to put themselves in a position to maintain a shot at keeping a Super Bowl champion contender for a long time. They've got all their good players locked up for a while and have brought back all the key pieces that they wanted. So they're really set up very well. Yeah, they're doing some, they're doing some good things over there. And, and I mean... Carson is deserving of the contract. I mean, yeah, but wait, wait till Dak Prescott gets a better deal coming up from him. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's just Dallas Jerry Cowboys. throwing money there. That's, that, it could be, but this, most that people, doesn't mean that is by most you know, people's counts. Carson is probably a better quarterback, although Dak's done, done a good well, good job in the first three years as well. But um, it'll I think be Carson is the better QB. But and we will see where this contracts come in because there's a few really good quarterbacks coming up, and I think once they come up, Carson's number. At 32 million is going to be less than a lot of the guys who renew or extend and things like that. Well, you know that's just how the league goes. Every year the number goes up, the value goes up. That's so, why if I was Carson's agent, I don't know if I would have taken the deal. I would have had to beat Russell Wilson. Well, the thing that Russell Wilson has is he's that got a Super Bowl ring. Not just that, but he's been the two, and he's you know he he's he's like Russell stats is like. The, he's the only QB to do what he's done in the first five years of his career. Like Listen, his stats are. Pretty, I'm a big Russell Wilson pretty fan, and I'm not knocking Russell. But I think Carson Wentz was in the catbird seat here, and I think he was. Uh, but I think he also, you know, was happy with what was thrown he out. He can't be unhappy. Yeah, he can't, you know, 32 million a year, 128 over four on top of the two years he had remaining. And we, we probably bad. don't even hear the incentives that he has put well, in. Well, there are also. some incentives that could kick in. Whether I'm sure they're going to be MVP stuff and Super Bowls and things like that. Um, and we'll see it when it all comes out. And, and it, it could get larger. If he if he certainly is the franchise quarterback the Eagles have, have bet on. If he wins that Super Bowl that he, in his heart, right. probably is even more driven to win than most because of the fact that they won it in his absence, right. then he will be worth any every penny as well as earn a lot more than what he's scheduled to make. Yeah. And, and get another deal. Because this, this is six years left on this deal. He'll only be, you know, in his early 30s. We see Brady in his 40s still playing. These quarterbacks can go for a long time. You talked about the well, protections you just, you not just, putting. You just said that you're done after 30. <laughs> I know you're not a quarterback, I know, I not know, a quarterback and place kicker and some offensive line. <laughs> Long snapper. <laughs> Long snapper. But, yeah. but, no, I mean, listen, I, if it wasn't for the, the, uh, the MVP performance Carson was doing during the season when they was on a Super Bowl run, they wouldn't even be there. No question so, about it. So, I mean, he, he he is worth what he was paid and uh and uh and um, I think they're gonna be they're gonna be fine for it. You well, know, to what our saying? studio audience, we're giving out one year old kids right now to first come first basis. <laughs> as Atlas has now taken a seat off of our mic platform. And we're giving cookies and everything that goes with it prize package to our studio studio member of the year or of the day um now now in the, we just talked about what the eagles have gained you know they they've kept carson wentz malcolm jenkins is here they they suffered a significant loss this week and one that i had talked about previously because i had heard rumors of this for quite some time even before the draft that joe douglas the personnel director the number two in command under howie roseman and their football operations was named the general manager of the New York Jets. So Joe has taken his talents up the turnpike, his talents and talent valuation, and left the Eagles. He had a very successful three years here that included the Super Bowl champion. He has a really good talent value. I've known Joe for a long time. He was a scout for the Ravens. Then one year working for Ryan Pace, your old guy from New Orleans who was up in Chicago, 
did pro personnel there for a year, and then he came here and did a stellar job as a GM. So it's a loss. And um, also, oh, he was in Chicago I, for one year before the Eagles hired him as GM. Oh wow! So um, I am really happy for Joe. He's a good guy, and uh, but it is a loss for the Eagles. Yeah. And we'll see if that kind of loss hurts them because they have done a really great job in the talent talent evaluation and setting this team up to be good. And we'll see how how big a part that Joe Douglas might have played. That's hard to tell from the outside yeah. who's calling shots because Howie Roseman is the number one guy in command. Right. Um, and I've heard different stories from different people as to who actually is responsible as well as some people outside the organization. Everyone wants to take credit. I don't even want to say some of it. Bottom line is the Eagles have done a nice job in their personnel evaluation over these last few years. Well, who's taking credit for the bus? They probably take credit for the for which ones. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, Everybody nobody takes says, credit. No, they, they they blame all those ones on Chip Kelly. Oh, okay. gotcha. <laughs> but 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 the recent success has all been shared, and and it's been a lot of success. Yeah. Uh, and and we'll see if Joe Douglas represents a huge loss going forward because you can't know right now. Some of these things take take a long time, but good for Joe. But you know that losing those guys in your front office can really affect you big time. It can. You know, it really is a team effort. Um, you know, those guys up there put hours and hours and hours in of watching film, trying to get the right, you know, to, to trying to get make the right decisions, especially when you're dealing with the college the college game and, and the pro free agents that are out there um, because you can waste current guys on your team that are playing well time if you don't surround them with you know, great talent to help out to help the whole team win. You know, football is really the only game where one person really can't do it. You know, what I'm saying on, on their own, like a Kawhi who's actually just crushing it in his first season with Toronto and got him to the finals and on verge of winning championship. That typically doesn't really happen in football. It's not one safety or one corner or one linebacker or one lineman or one receiver or running back or or QB, even at that matter, the top position that's just going to put you in the championship. Everybody has to perform and up their game to to, uh, to make the dream happen. So, I mean, it's a team effort and, and – um, you know, I think that's why they have the longevity that they have at that position up there to get it right. Because as players, if we don't get it right, they get rid of us. But at those upper management positions, oh, yeah. you you got like five to eight years to get it right. You well, know we see GMs that just keep going on like this. The Steve Kimes out in Arizona, and he goes through a coach every year, right. but he stays on. So you, well, know, you know, like 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 can be immunity like uh, Matt McMillan at Detroit. You know, uh, yeah, who Matt I played Miller, with. Yeah. I played with his uh, his um, his nephew at Bloom. <laughs> he had what five number one draft picks in a row or something like that. So. You know, they give those guys a little bit longer leeway than they do the players so to get it right. So, Ja, I'm curious from your perspective as we go through this whole offseason. Um, you know, basically, we know that the NFL is almost a year-round sport for its players now, more so than any other sport as far as the time they want you to, you to be at the facility. And your season ends sometime early January or February if you win the Super Bowl or sometime in between. And Atlas is really a great addition to this show. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, Ja, you go through the off season, you get a little bit of break after the season ends, and then you report back sometime either late March or April, and you do your off season stuff, and now you've got this mandatory camp. Yeah. How much does that really matter? You, you know, you're, you're here in June and in the spring still, and you're going to break for six weeks before you actually report for training camp. Do these camps really matter? Do they go into your success as a team? I think they do. Um, 
Some of it is more of a, a babysitting role. The coach is able to put eyes on you, see how you look, see see if you're, you know, doing what you need to do while you're away from the facility. Um, also to check up on the players. But for the guys who haven't been in the system, who are new to the system, it helps them get a grasp of the system. It helps them, you know, come in contact with the person that's throwing them the ball, the defensive guy that's setting up the defense, making the calls. It kind of helps guys get on the same page in, in, a, in a non-physical environment. So, you know, you think about it, okay, the OTAs and the, and the OSP, the off-season program, is your non-physical environment. It's your environment that's really more in the classroom, more teaching, more, you know, learning how to communicate with your teammates without saying a word. And then your training camp is more of your physical environment, seeing how you respond when your body's tired and, and you're hurting and you're, and you're banging. <clears throat> and you also have to do the, the thinking part to it also. So, But I think the major thing they get out of it is that you get more than one chance to learn the system. So you, you, you start from the beginning in your OSP and, and OTAs and, and – from the very beginning and learning the plays. And then when training camp comes around, you start over again. So you get go at it two times before the season starts. So, Ja, okay, let me take you back a couple of years when you're you're still a player in the NFL and an exceptional one at that. And the whole rhythm of your year. So you're going to finish up this week and you're going to break now for six weeks. Right. What would you do? How? What would your mindset and physical set be over that sort of break that you get, which is the last break you get because then from the time you report in late July all the way through hopefully to February when we win a Super Bowl, you're not going to get a break. So how do, how do you handle that? What, what happens in that month? Well, it's not really a break. You're just continuing the the process that you've been doing with the team during the OTAs and OSP for for the previous six weeks. Your break really comes at the end of your season, whether if it's before the playoffs, if you didn't make the playoffs, or if you lost early in the playoffs, or if you won a championship. That's how I always approached it. That's really where you want to take the bulk of your break. Um, I really use the offseason to get three different trainings. So I would train with, you know, before I went to uh, OTAs, I would train with, you know, down in Florida with Pete Bomarito, and then I would go to OTAs and train with my team. And then before training camp, after OTAs, I would come back home and train with my trainer here in Philadelphia that I've been training with since I was in college. So I, I use it as an Give opportunity. Give him a shout-out. Who was it? Yeah, oh, oh, Julius. Yeah, you know my Your guy, partner. Julius King, yeah, over at All Fitness. So I, I would use it as a way to get three different programs in because I know once the season starts, I'm going to be in one program. And I'm going to be in that program for, you know, from August, hopefully, to February. So, and, and what did you do working out during the season? It's a little different, right? Right. And during the season, like, during the offseason, you're trying to get your builds. You're trying to get your builds. Because during the season, you're just really trying to maintain. You know what I mean? It, 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 the season is too physical. You're, you're probably going to taper off later in the season. You get a little break with your buys and... And you figure that out. But basically, you're just trying to maintain what you have built during the offseason when you get to in season. So, um, you know, it, it's, it becomes it becomes more mental and, and just week by week as you get the game plan. Josh, share with our listeners, because I love the insights you bring with your ha- having played some of the stuff that they wouldn't know when you would leave for your break and, and you're just claiming it's not really a break because you're still training right. they'd give you a, a weight you have to report out when you return didn't they 
Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> they give you a weight to report at. You gotta that would kill your night out and the wings and all that stuff, right? <laughs> exactly. You gotta do a conditioning test, but that's why I say you're not off. You know what I mean? Because if you if you leave, you know OTAs or OSP offseason program, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna take a week off or I'm gonna take ten days off, then you're cutting, you're losing everything that you worked on as far as you're uh, maintaining your weight and your weight strength. And then you got to really ramp it up for three weeks before you report. And if you don't report what you signed off on that you're going to report at or you failed a conditioning test, then it's going to set you back another week and a half, two weeks of training camp. So, that, you know what I mean? You're just going to be behind schedule. So just that's to, how I always approach it. just touch on this. We, we've mentioned it before, but the, the conditioning test is one of the things that people don't really know about either. Yeah. That you have to train and you got to report in shape. So that, that is why, like it used to be in the old days, <clears throat> training camp was used. To get you in shape. To exactly. get you in shape for a season. I mean, guys, nah. guys, listen, they had to work off season right. jobs. And then right. they'd come to camp and they'd, they'd get in right. shape. Now, you got to report in top shape. And that conditioning test you did was really hard. I, I, I know the, the one that Saints had for most of your career was to run, it was 300 yards. Right, it was, it was 300 yard shuttles. So 50 yards back and forth six yeah, times. Yeah, 50 yards. And you had to do it under a minute and you had to do, and then break. And then for had two to, minutes, yep. And then you had to do it again and you had to do three of those. Three legs up, yep. Three now rounds you, of it, yep. You are literally twice my weight, right. basically. <laughs> and, and I always tried to do it just to see if I could do it. And they had a slightly lower standard for D-backs, but not greatly different that's from ridiculous. what you had to. That's ridiculous. And that's a hard, hard test. That's ridiculous. I mean, our times as linemen, as offensive defense alignment were 60 seconds so 300 yards in 60 seconds and it's up and back so you're not running full st- you got to right. turn the turns 50, 50 yard increments you got six turns and, and then you get two minutes rest after that then you're up with the line again and then for the linebackers and uh, fullbacks it's 58 seconds like how do they get two they, seconds they the <laughs> and different wide receivers and the DBs it's like 56 seconds or 54 seconds that's, that's unbelievable and then like, if you come, fail what happens and then if you fail it's just at, at some point you gotta retake the test and the issue with that test is that that test already sets you back a week of training camp because you got practice the next day. Your hamstrings are tired. So you got to keep Your low back is hurting because I just ran this this conditioning test and I'm an offensive lineman. I'm not going to do that much running ever. Well, how many times as an offensive lineman? Well, I mean, you run 300 yards at a time. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, our our offense they had us pulling a lot, but especially at the guard position. But it's test. ridiculous. It's not a it's not a test for us. I mean, Coach Payton later kind of went to a CrossFit thing that that was kind of strength and you know. You know, conditioning as far as running, but uh, but in Green Bay, I didn't have a conditioning test. But some teams, what they do is they do the conditioning test after your OTAs, OSP before you leave for uh, before you leave for that last break. They do the conditioning test afterwards. But it Which really makes more sense actually. It, except it is. If you pop a hamstring. It, it really, it really, honestly, just makes you as a player continue to work out so you're coming in in shape and that's, that's and that's what the coaches want to see they, but that's what our coach wanted to see because um, every team is different so it really just makes like hey you just can't go home and chill you got to go home and actually work out alright well listen as I continue the theme of Sad Gerald Tuesday um, Sad Gerald Tuesday I, I mean this, this one really bothers me it's going to strike a little home to you too we got back to back Sad Tuesdays well no I was, I was cranky Gerald last week okay so, <laughs> now, this is different. now I'm sad it's a, it's a full gamut of emotion Emotions as I as I'm in tune with my inner self and and, and John, no, this I, I don't want to be light on this. Um, a guy who I knew during his career, he played with with 
clients of mine, and I spent some time with him, was Kellen Winslow Jr. His father was a Hall of Fame star yeah. tight end, mostly for the San Diego Chargers, and, and Kellen was a stud and a first-round pick of the Cleveland Browns and had himself a very nice career, Pro Bowls. Um, he was convicted yesterday of forcible rape, and over the last several years, really weird, awful stories have surfaced about him and um, his really troubled sexual activities and, and, and violence and stuff like that. And I, I suspect that Kel Winslow will be spending a large part, if not the rest of his life, in jail. Yeah. And you know, he's a guy who's at the top of the world in so many ways. And the reports are, I mean, he, he's charged, he was convicted of raping a 50-year-old homeless woman who he knew. And there's all these other charges of him exposing himself to 78-year-old women. Two to, and, and, and on and on with just awful, awful accusations that show as much criminal as well as really sick yeah and um it, but it reminded me look, i don't we can't go too far in depth because we're not going to sit here and psychoanalyze what went on in kellen winslow's head that right. took a guy who really grew up in a privileged life reached the top level of his profession could have a great life the rest of the way and now he's going to spend it in jail because of you know whatever wiring he has but you had a teammate also darren sharper and i don't want to strike too home and and bother you with this because i know i know it's personal and probably something you'll never be at ease with a great teammate of yours on your super bowl champion and darren was a special special guy he's a guy who had events he had he had the looks he had the intelligence he he was already after his career being a star on the networks and potentially a hall of fame player he was a star in minnesota that came to you and helped you become a super bowl champion and darren was convicted of drugging women and raping them and and it's just it's amazing as to what could be inside of these guys who clearly they certainly didn't have to do this to get women so right. there was something really wrong inside of them and they're wiring that caused them to do this do you have any thoughts on it all it's a tough subject no i, I don't um i just heard about the keller winslow incident and, and uh and I mean, this guy drove around and spent some time with, and would have dinner when he came came to town in Philadelphia. Yeah. Really likable personality, right, from right. what I could tell. Obviously, right. I didn't know him very well, and what you're hearing now it creates a monster. Yeah, I mean, it was just being in the locker room, playing in the league. You would hear stories about this guy on other teams from teammates and things of that you nature over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and but you know, even because he's a Miami guy too if I'm not yep. mistaken yep. so yep. even when I was in grad school down there just teammates from you know you were hearing these stories you're like man this is wow but I, I don't that mind frame of thinking is just I, I don't know I don't understand it um, with Sharper you know it's 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 very unfortunate um, I spent time with, with Darren and, and, and none of that has ever I never saw that even Ja, ja I know that you couldn't believe it when I told you yeah. the accusations against him and the evidence against him you were like no way no way because he that wasn't the Darren Sharper you know I just Which didn't shows see that, that. that shows that I didn't be, see that um, and there I, could be parts of people that we just don't know no matter how close you are and I mean you know we we lived down the street from each other, you know. I mean, Shockey lived in the same building, also. I mean, so we we've hung out so much. He and, dated Gabrielle and to, Union, who's now married to Dwayne right, Wade. Right, right. He was, he was ex- ex- that ex- mega star. Exactly, level. exactly. And I was in Miami when you know we ran into Gabrielle and Wade, and they were all in the club together, and saw how you know heartbroken he was about that. So I just never saw that, and it was kind of very disturbing to to see that. You know, it was going on even after his career when he was uh, with the network. But um, but yeah, um, it's a shame, and uh, it's something that you know you wish guys 
you know, were in the right mind frame not to do those things because it wasn't really necessary. Look, there's sick people in society. <clears throat> it's never necessary, and, and but I'm just, it's never necessary, wow. but I'm just saying, like, you, you, you see guys that <clears throat> reach the level that a professionalism that they reach and, and still have issues and, and doing things that are, you know, that's, uh, that you won't never think that they would do. Yeah, a lot of sympathy to his victims, and apparently there's a lot of them. And there's even more charges floating. I think on his convictions alone right now, he faces 13 to life. Um, and I would imagine it's going to be a long time before he sees the light of death ever. And um, and it sounds like very deserved. Yeah, um, and that's what and that's what uh, kind of the same thing that uh, that Darren was facing in, in his trial. But um, yeah, well, he he had to work a plea deal out to never face face uh, trials because he would have faced forever in the federal system. He still got a lot of time, and I know he's yeah. appealing it and, and things like that. But um, Anyway, it, it, it's shaking and it's and it's and it's really really sad. Ja, we um, have a few minutes to go, and there's a few things I still want to touch on because the hour always gets away from me. Well, I guess I talk too much, <laughs> but I guess that's what we're supposed to do here. <laughs> anyway, but um, tomorrow night will be the end of the hockey season. Yeah. it is Game Seven of the Stanley Cup game Finals. One of, the, one of the great things in sports, Game Seven in any sport, but hockey. Game in Seven is awesome. The, the the just the electricity of a Game Seven, right? And and especially if they go to over time where it's right. just a real real sudden death for a championship don't and let it be a shootout series, don't let it be safe. a shootout at overtime too that would be no they don't do shootouts they, shootout they the do not they play forever gotcha it's it's, it's first goal and that's that's different than during the regular season but the St. Louis Blues had a chance the other night to win their first Stanley Cup on their home ice and let it get away and the Boston Bruins brought it back to Boston for game seven and that will take place tomorrow night Zindo Chara is um the tallest man in the NHL. He stands over seven feet with his skates, so he's about 6'10 without man. them. Yeah. And he's a monster. When I first saw him, he came in as not really a heralded guy from like the Czech Republic and, um, and originally with Ottawa, and he's had an unbelievably long career. He's actually going to play in his 14th career game seven. That's oh, wow. that, that's that's something. Um, but in this series alone, and it talks about the toughness of hockey players as we've, we've touched on at times, he broke his jaw. A, a shot came and, and he had a stick out to defend it, and then the puck deflected off his stick into his jaw, knocked out some teeth, right. broke his jaw, and that guy came right back. I mean, it is unbelievable how tough these hockey players. He's playing with a wire jaw and getting seven and making a difference. I think I, I think those guys really want that to happen. Like they're like, oh, I'm a, listen. It's, I mean, you know, hanging out with these guys, watching them pop their teeth out at parties and, and stuff like that. They they are so proud. I just it always amazes me how like they just never wear a cage over their mouth. Like, they don't care. Like, that's an option. You also, you can wear something that covers your mouth. And they just, they, some of them choose not to wear anything that covers their eyes. Yeah, one of the and, busiest jobs is team dentist of a hockey team. <laughs> and then they, they will generally worry about their teeth when their career's over. All right, um, so it's worth watching. Even if you're not a hockey fan, game seven tomorrow night, yeah. Blues-Bruins will be quite a battle. And of course, I, I've touched on previously that I'm a little partial to St. Louis. There's some Philadelphia ties from the Mummers Parade yep. and the turnaround for the Blues in January when they came here to Philadelphia, as well as former Flyer, former fan, his coach, and I was going to uh, say the coach, Craig right? Ruby, who's a great guy, Chief, and um, and the fact that the other teams from Boston is alone for right. no reason <laughs> exactly. not to root for them. I mean, if, if the Bruins win, will be in this calendar year the third championship for Boston because, of course, the Red Sox and the Patriots also won. They've had enough <laughs> anyway forever. Um, 
Last thing, we, we haven't discussed the Phils yet, and that is really the only team actively in season besides the, the, besides the Union and your soul right now in Philadelphia. And the Phils are in first place, but it's a little bit of a tough, tough stretch for the Phillies right now. Right. We have had um, a bunch of injuries and losses. Odubel Herrera is on administrative leave as they still investigate what goes on in his case, and they may have lost their center fielder. McCutcheon, who did a super job in left field, is done for the year with an ACL injury. We've got a bunch of injuries to the bullpen. Um, they did pick up Jay Bruce, who came in and hit five home runs and got named Player of the Week, which was an unbelievable first week that the guy had. But in general, they've been struggling a little bit. And and as we you know approach now, coming up on midseason, the Phils are in a position where Kapler's over-managing and micromanaging is starting to be questioned and his real use of the bullpen, which is worn out, um, and maybe their lack of starting pitching when there were some signs like Kiko and guys they could have signed. Jots, it's a critical stretch here that the Phils have to make sure that they weather. They've lost their last few, I guess. Um, they also lost two, but they've really got to weather the storm here and get the ship back righted. Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I guess they're what, approaching the halfway point of the season, kind of, or they still got yeah, a little bit are. way I mean, to pretty, go. Pretty much the end of June, but we're yeah, you know, we're, the June. we're sixty some games into the right. sixty two games. So you'd like to see them turn it around, you know, before they enter the back half of the for, season. For but. the most part, they've been good. They've been decent on offense and, and okay with their starting pitching. But Jared Eikhoff has really struggled in his recent starts. Arietta has not been good, yeah. and then you got to get Eflin and whoever the fifth guy is, whether it's Pavetta um, and likely is righted. It's just, and the bullpen's off, and, and you don't have a closer, and now you've lost um, Dominguez for the rest of the they year. Gotta it's, it's they got to get healthy. They got to get healthy. They got to get in sync. And, and, and Atlanta, meanwhile, goes out and signs Kiko, and they're playing really good ball, and that's their number one threat within the division. So right. It's it's a tough little stretch here for the Phils that you hope they weather, and you hope they are able to maintain where they are because right. um, it, it's been a fun start, and you hope it continues. Yeah, they, they got to get healthy. Guys got to step up, start playing better. And, you know, management has to be in sync with, you know, starting lineups and, and, and putting the right people in the right position to be successful. Yeah, I mean, Gabe is under under some scrutiny and probably rightly so, but we'll see how they handle it anyway. And also, and also acquiring the right people to put on the ball team. You know, they have to get in well, sync they with are, that too. They will so, definitely be making some moves before the trade deadline. Right. And, so and they have to get in sync with all. pitcher for sure. Yeah. Maybe some help in the bullpen. And it might be an outfielder because you're down potentially right. two, two starting Two guys. Exactly. So, now Franco's been awful. So, you know, so you're about to see the whole picture of people have to put their best foot forward. You know what I'm saying? From I'm management, also, from management to, to to players. And when I say management, I'm talking about scouting and managing the game, the coach. You know, to players. And basically, the bottom line is, you know, the players got to execute. As, as a player, as a professional player, right. it's all about you executing. It's all about you focusing. And, and I think that is uh, is big in baseball because you play so many games. Well, and, you play 162. And the focus has to be there. You know what I mean? You just... I mean, I guess they feel like they could just walk out in the ballpark and get it done, but on that, as, on as a professional note, athlete, you always want to have, you know, superior focus when you're out there trying to get it done. Well, on that note, uh, JT Realmuto, their catcher who they acquired in the offseason and is arguably the best catcher in baseball, he's been running him out there every day and not giving him a break, which normally you, you use your backup catcher more. I hope that doesn't take its toll. I, I, I'm not loving what he's doing with the club. By the same token, they are in first place. There were a right. lot of acquisitions this offseason. It's kind of a new team melding together, but you 
you really want to see them solidify their hold and 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 have a postseason here in Philadelphia that we haven't had in quite some time. Right. Anyway, Joe, we've touched on a whole lot of stuff. We always want to conclude with get Colton's champions in here. We got a studio audience member. So yeah, we got. What we do is you throw us a year, any year. DJ and King Leo about we, to uh, DJ here for Taco yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, we got we got DJ King Leo in the house. Please come by Soma Sophie. Every you don't Tuesday. know what you're missing if you haven't been here at 13th and Packer Avenue. In Good South afternoon, Philadelphia. fellas. Hey, hey Leo, <laughs> welcome. So, so how Cole's court works? So we do Cole's champion. This is our segment. You give us a year, and Drill's going to give you the champion in in all the four major sports: wow, baseball, okay. basketball, NFL, and hockey. He also going to give you the NCAA champion in basketball, and uh, and the president if if he can uh, recall it, it. It goes back to 1902. <clears throat> the story of baseball, but it goes back to 1902. But that, that was just baseball. Then in 1920, the NFL started. In 1927, the Stanley Cup. Came Came in in 1947 was the NBA. So you just throw out a year. Okay. He'll figure it out. Okay, gotcha. Um, Any year. Am I doing the fact check as well? No. We got Taylor. Taylor, our erstwhile producer, will give the fact check. Gotcha. So you got to think of a good year because he's like 99.9% right on this. In, uh, in, in, in 30, what, 48 episodes here. Okay. Well, uh, I guess I'm going to keep it simple. I'll go back to... Uh, my year of birth, 83. 1983, a good year. Because in 1983, the NBA champion was the Philadelphia 76ers. You picked a good year. Wow, wow. <laughs> and they beat the Lakers in four games in one of the thrills of my lifetime. In baseball, the Phillies were in the World Series, but they lost to the Baltimore Orioles in actually five games. And that was the Wheeze Kids. In all right, in hockey in 1983 was the last of the Islanders for Stanley Cups, their run. And then football would have been Super Bowl 28. No, Super Bowl 18. My math is off. Super Bowl 18, which was the. I just got to make sure I get this right. It was the Los Angeles Raiders winning the Super Bowl in 1983. That was the Redskins, right? Marcus Allen, maybe. And um, and then what am I missing here? You said, um, oh, you missed it. Uh, I got basketball, got football, ho- hockey. Base- hockey was Yonders. NCAA. NCAA in 1983. I just got to make sure I don't. Was don't it the Raiders in, in the NFL, 83? Yeah. 1983 was the North Carolina State Wolfpack with Jim Valvano running all over Jimmy the court. Jimmy V. On the, wow. On the, Derek Winberg to Lorenzo Charles dunk at the end. There if you, you go. went to the White House, you would have shook hands with. Ronald Reagan. Uh, <laughs> so I think we covered him all right. Hey, good job, man. All right. Five well, yeah, I was there to see the <laughs> the fact checks. Yeah, that, that pans out. <laughs> Wasted knowledge, but yeah, we use it here on Cold Court. So hey, listen, Joe, ja, we covered everything in an hour and again. It was yeah. sad, it was sad Tuesday for me. We had cranky last week, sad <laughs> today. Hopefully next week we'll be happy or celebratory. We will by then we'll have a crowned NBA champion, a crowned NHL champion. We'll yeah. be heading into the draft in the NBA, which will be really interesting as to as to how that plays out, and then hopefully the Phillies will get this ship righted. Anyway. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you, our studio audience. Thank you, Atlas. And thank you, my co-host, Ja. Peace. On behalf of my co-host, Jari Evans, I'm Gerald Cole saying thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Courts adjourned.